wild courage exists to galvanize a generation of men. Tools and courage to fight for what matters most. And tell the stories that are born in the redemption of lives and souls. Hey guys, as we dive into Mary and I's story, I just wanted to give you guys some resources of some people that have given us a lot of help in our marriage along the way. And also just me personally, um, on my journey in, in my redemption in the last 10 years. Um, so I thought it'd just be cool if I could, uh, give you guys some resources. And again, these are people that we have personally know and have helped us tremendously. Um, And I just wanted to point you in their direction because we've got to get over the stigma of needing help. Um, Hopelessness is a serious thing. And having been there before and knowing what that is, um, I just wanted to give you guys some, some context and reach out to these guys. This is what they do for a living, and they're all very, very good at it. Um, and again, know him all personally. Um, first off is um, my friend and his wife, Britton and Millie Collum. They have um, a consulting service called Zion 61 Ministries, and you can find them at zion61ministries.net. They do marriage retreats. They do Zoom counseling, um, both for marriage and personally, but they're they're amazing. And of course, Justin and Abby Stumball who we talk about quite a bit on this episode. Um, and you can find them at justinandabby.com, abi.com. Um, and they have a podcast called The Connected Life that's really good and interesting. And they um, have give a lot of help and um, ideas for dealing with certain things on there. So check them out. And then thirdly, Mike and Becca Fallon have um, their consultants, marriage and life consultants also. And you can find them at SoteriaWM.com. That's S-O-T-E-R-I-A-W-M.com. And they've helped Mary and I a ton in our marriage and just um, people that we still get stuck on things and we go to them and they've helped us think of things from different angles. And they're both very gifted and talented in seeing issues that sometimes you're too close and you can't see the forest through the trees. So... We've used them a lot, and anyway, I just wanted to, um, again, give you guys some reference to finding some help. Um, I'm going to put these in the link in the in the podcast also, so you can hopefully just click on them from there. But anyway, here goes our story. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, welcome back to the Wild Courage Podcast. Today is the day where our buddy Josh sits down and has the pleasure of trying to unpack Mary and I's story. (laughs) I'm so excited. It already's not started well. (laughs) I'm so excited. Do you feel like a counselor already? Like I am sitting in the middle. A referee. Yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. So most recently, um, Josh sat down and interviewed Mary. And they crushed it. And this is part two of our story, of her story, and and my story. Part three of my story, I guess. But <laughs> I'm I'm also a lot older than you, so I deserve to have three parts to this my story. True. 
Recently 50. Yeah, I just turned 50 Tuesday, so that's a new you thing. You did. What hat were you wearing a minute ago? Oh, um, 50 never looked so good. Yeah. he he. I know nobody can see, but he was wearing that hat a second ago. <laughs> that yeah. literally said that. And it's Just so true. everybody knows. Yeah. I feel like I look better than ever. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, thanks. Yeah. See? Right on We've time. We've come a long way. <laughs> you have come a long way. And I'm excited because this is a lot of this podcast is when I entered into the picture, right? Yeah, you've, uh, like, you've sort got of, to see a lot yeah, of this. For sure. Transpired. So it's going to be fun to unpack this. Good times. You ready to dive into this, Mary? Oh, well, I'm ready. Excited? I'm ready. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's go. Okay. When we ended your podcast, I think we stopped at you talking about you and Jeremy were not doing good. And there was no yes. like formal conversation of like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. But let's start there and maybe dive into the separation and where that went. Yeah, I, I think, like I said in the previous podcast, it's not, it's not like it is in the movies. It's not like you have a big fight and you say, I'm leaving. And you go in your packer bag and you drive away and that's it. Um, you, you didn't know, throw like a suitcase on the porch with Jeremy stuff I in it. Did not. It, that happened, but it was a little. Again, it wasn't like the movies, but I I did move into the closet up, up outside the house. Yeah, that that happened for a bit. An office, but yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a quick process. Um, I think I mentioned before during that time he got a job, took a job in Wyoming. Um, so he was gone for a bit which then I felt like gave me some breathing room to kind of figure out what Leighton and I were going to do. Um, and it is super difficult for me to ask for help from anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very humbling to try to now be, I was definitely in a position where I needed to ask for help from a lot of people. Um, so also, you know, you're just, I'm just desperate. So I'm just willing to do things that I wouldn't normally do, you know, just outside of my comfort zone. So, um, at that time it was, um, during the recession, I don't know, it was 2008 or something, 2009. Um, and so property in Arizona was super cheap. Um, I had looked into trying to get into some, um, income-based apartments, Um, and that wasn't quite working out and it was still going to be pretty expensive. So anyway, went through this process of finding a property, um, in Chino Valley, which was just North of Prescott where we were living at the time. Um, and contacted a good friend of ours who was a client of Ben's, um, and just sent an email. I never thought I would (laughs) send and just asked her, uh, kind of, she knew our situation a, a bit about it and just, um, send her an email and asked, Hey, I found this property for sale, really needing a place to live. Would you be willing to purchase this property for me? It was, um, little manufactured home. It was on a little three and a half acres. Um, but it was at the time it was less than a hundred thousand dollars cause things were so cheap. And so yeah. I asked, can you purchase this for me and I will pay you back. Um, I cannot believe I'm asking you this, but I'm, I'm desperate. Um, and I remember I sent it, slammed my computer shut, so nervous, like so much depended on this. Jeez. Um, and then, you know, thought about it all night, but made myself not look at the computer. And um, I remember the next morning, opened it up, opened my email, 
And I saw a reply from her. And before I clicked on it, you know, you can sometimes see the first part of the sentence. Mm -hmm. And it said, um, like, Mary, I would love to help you. And in my mind, I was like, she'd love to help me, but she can't. Like, this isn't going to happen. What am I going to do? I opened it up and it said, I would love to help you. Let me know, you know, what the property is. Let me know what I can do, where I can send the money. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you, Lord. Like, this is going to happen. Um. So anyway, that that started the process then of me um, moving out with Leighton. Um, and that, you know, I look I look back, kind of to skip ahead, we, we were then separated a total of three years. So where, where were you, Jeremy? I, <clears throat> when that all was going down, I had taken a job. That's when I had got my last, my fifth DUI in yep. Wyoming that summer. I had come back. I had gotten a job in the oil field. So I was gone 30 days and then I was home 15. And because of all the legal trouble I got in is where I was in some outpatient rehab. And I talked about her in my podcast, but this gal named Gwen helped me navigate through Mary buying this house. I also want to say that it was very hurtful for me because I feel like people were coming to Mary's rescue Mm. that were also my friends and like that sides were being taken. Sure. And for somebody as emotionally unstable as I was and needed everyone to like them, that was devastating to me because our friends now all became her friends. Right. Okay. Even, even though now like logically totally makes sense, but like friends that I introduced her to were sending her stuff. And like trying to help her out, I think even financially. Mm. Um, and that was devastating to me um, in all my brokenness. But Gwen, I'll never forget. She was, I was like, I went to a group and at that point I was all in. I'm like, if I have to sit here every day for however many months to do outpatient group therapy, um, I'm going to jump in and I was like, I remember crying. I'm like, my wife's moving out and it's over. I know it. Somebody helped her buy a house and her whole family's coming to help her move. And Gwen's like, you're going to get your ass over there and you're going to help. You're going to help make that place clean and safe for your son to go live in. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And wow. I remember her standing up and like finger shaking at me. You are going to go help her and your son. And sure enough, Mary's whole family came out. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Mike and Becca and yeah. Russ and Kathy. And here I am, the guy that blew up the whole, everyone knows the story now, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember driving, making trips over to her house and we bought paint and did the, redid the floor. Mm-hmm. And I remember <clears throat> my, my sister and my brother, you know, they're kind of like, what is he doing here? Like the, this is awkward. What is yeah, he doing here? Sure. And I was so far removed from feeling anything towards him at that point, I literally didn't care. Like, if you want to come over here and you want to help, go ahead. You want, you want to be a part of this? Go ahead. Um, yeah, you were, I, she was very indifferent. So like, indifferent. Like, to the point where um, I was, I could see the case where I was, I would just use you. Yeah. You want to come do that? Sure. You're not getting anything out of it. You know, I'm, I'm not in any way lowering any walls. You are not going to work your way back into this, but if you want to come over and paint that fence, go ahead. 
and then see you later. (laughs) Leading up to that point, everything that happened that you both covered on your podcast you your your heart was completely hardened at that point to him towards so him. hard yeah for yes. years yeah yeah so hard i mean at that point he could say anything he could do anything he could act any way mm-hmm. um and it literally had no effect yeah so did you at that time you both thought this thing is over uh, i i i i thought pro- i mean it sure all arrows pointed that way i mean yeah she wouldn't let me help her. A lot of things like, yeah, I could go over and do something physical like that. Mm-hmm. And it had a little barn and arena. So that the horses all got moved over there and my horses got moved over there. Cause I was gone 30 days at a time. So she had to take care of them. And so I, I got to move back in the apartment in the covered arena when she moved out. So I had okay. some place, which kind of was nice, but yeah, I, she wouldn't let me help her financially. Like, she would let me pay for Leighton's daycare, I believe, but, like, she wouldn't let me help her make her... And I'm making good money at this point. She wouldn't let me make help her make a mortgage payment. Anything that I could ever use mm. as leverage against mm-hmm. her, she would not. So that was why, Mary? That was absolutely why, yeah. So, what I, you know, thinking about doing this podcast, and I was thinking kind of a little bit back on those years, and when I when I think about those three years that we were separated... I, there's so many different angles I can look back at it. You know, I can look back and, and I have so much compassion for myself, you know, and that it was so hard to be a single mom and try to figure life out is so hard. So I have compassion. And then at the same time, I'm so grateful. There was amazing friends in my life. I I think of Molly and Barry. I think of David and Rachel. I think of the church that was there. I think of my neighbor, Penny. Yeah, I mean, so many people. Mall Idol. Came, yeah, came around. Yeah, I shouldn't have mentioned names because I'm going to forget people. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the people that were in my life that would show up um, and just offer to take Leighton for the night or bring mm. dinner by or Monty. I mean, just people were amazing, um, and so I'm so thankful for that. I'm also um, proud of myself. Um, I was working several jobs to swing things. I went back to school at night to finish my teaching degree. Mm. My goal was just um, make sure Layton has a normal as life as possible. Um, so I wanted to be a teacher. So when he started school, we'd have the same hours. Um, you know, there's so many different emotions looking back on that. But um, yeah, I did not want Jeremy to have anything at that point that he could hold over me. Um, so that meant living completely separate financially. Um, yeah, like I said, if he wanted to come over and fix something or help with something, you know, that was fine. But then I was just as happy to see him pull out the driveway afterwards. And, 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 yeah. and, and she had found her voice in that area at that point too. Cause it'd be like, okay, thanks for your help. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got dinner for me and late and go like, I mean, it was yeah. like. Clear lines drawn. Yeah, yeah you're, I, you're not welcome to, to no, come in and hang I, out. I, I couldn't go in the house. Like, um, I would come to get Leighton because, again, I'd be gone 30 days. I'd come home it, to my to my time of that story, and the mice would have taken over my apartment. So it would just always it, it always smelled like dead mouse because I'd yeah. set 30 mice traps and I'd catch 30 mice. And so for the 15 days I was home, it was just smelled like bleach. <laughs> you know, it was it was... Cause nobody was there. And then I'd go get Leighton and Mary would have his stuff 
and she would go and check my truck. And at that point, you know, I'd been sober for a couple of years. Right. Okay. And she would look through every, and at that point, Gwen had helped me enough to be like, she gets to do whatever she needs to do to feel safe. Um, but it was, yeah, it sucked because I was just like, I feel like I was working hard and kind of getting my life back together and sh- there was nothing cooking there. I remember having zero compassion for you, like hearing about zero. your apartment and how much it stunk. And I was like, well, you kind of deserve that. Yeah. You know, or will you get home and it'd be freezing and then Prescott it's cold in the winter and I'd be like, well, that's too bad. Grab a blanket. You know, I just had ze- no matter what you were the going circumstances through. Were yeah. Zero. Compassion. I just, yeah, I could not muster did, up any. During that time, Mary, did you like emotionally process through what was happening or was it back to kind of what we talked about last time of the survival mode? It was definitely survival mode. Okay. Yeah. And I, I didn't, um, I didn't have a lot of capacity for processing emotions at that time either. Um, I just was doing what I knew to do to survive. Um, and in a lot of ways, um, it it, we thrived in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, there was definite gaping holes, but because I ignored them at the time, it worked. Um, and so we, you know, looking back and, and how the Lord provided me, you know, through the people that helped me and through the jobs that I had, I always had enough money. We always had enough food. We always had enough time together. Um, like I, I didn't, feel the need to, um, fix anything emotionally at the time, sure. but I also was not self-aware in that area. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, that's when my journey began because I yeah. had to, it started with Gwen. Mm-hmm. I also had to go to AA for two years. So I was like starting to deal with things mm. internally of like why I was such a drunk, the mess I had made. I, I mean, I had to face the music to all of this, mm-hmm. right? Like, logically knowing what I know now at the time, I didn't even know some of this logically it made sense why she moved out and built up these walls. But I was like, sure, I'm not the same dude anymore. Mm-hmm. And she could care less was super hard. And all, all the things she just said about the, all of our friends, like came to her rescue and I was the bad guy, even though I was the, kind of the bad guy. It, it just was so hard for me to know that they, everyone was showing up for her and I was the a-hole like to my ego. And like, yeah. it was devastating because basically it, it's the power of validation, right? Like I didn't have a lot of people in my corner. I had Ben and Monty who was also in Mary's corner. Mm-hmm. He navigated us both well. And he David mm-hmm. who also navigated mm-hmm. both sides of it well and would try to be understanding and like, Oh yeah, this is tough. Cause I think they, they could see the new me that was being created, but at the same time got where Mary was at. So it was this weird rub. We went to the same church oh, the whole time. Yeah. Like 40 people, 50 people. Oh geez. And I would sit on one side and every, like, it was the destruction of my pride was happening. So did you find yourself trying to uh, like prove that you were no longer the same guy? Were you just going with the flow? And- I was in survival mode also. Yeah. I was like super bummed out that, you know, after a year or two, because I would hear stories in AA of like guys two or three months sober and their wife would take them back and their life was back on track. Right. Mm. And I'm like a couple of years in and I'm like, 
she's really she's really holding on <laughs> to this. We're not making any progress here. She's really holding on to this bitterness thing. <laughs> yeah. And so that was super hard. And to just looking back at the grace that was on us, because in that time, again, I was gone working 30 days. And when I say gone 30, like I didn't work have weekends off. Like I worked 30 days straight and I was putting in monster weeks, like 130 hour weeks. I was making a ton of money. Yeah. She didn't want me. She didn't want my money. She didn't want to spend any time with me. So it was just this weird reality that I had found. Um, and because I'd quit drinking, I quit hanging out with a lot of the same friends. I quit going to ropings. I quit. I needed to protect myself in that space. But the grace part was the fact that, even after a few years, a couple of years in, like neither one of us really were interested in anyone else or not really weren't at all. Mm-hmm. And looking back, like I'm so grateful that yeah. God just had a grace over that time that three, three and a half years that we were separated, that nobody came into the picture. Right. Cause at that point I was so vulnerable. I think if the right thing would have came along or person that was super validating and like, who knows what would have happened, mm-hmm. you know? Because I wasn't good at handling rejection, <laughs> and it, I had to deal with it every day. So why, that three, three and a half years, why didn't you get a divorce and make it official? Um, like I talked about in my podcast, I grew up so religious. Mm. Um, and then even through our earlier counseling that Jeremy and I had had, um, you know, we were always pointed back to that verse, you know, God hates divorce, says it right there. He hates it, you know? So, um, also my strong desire to please, like, I, I want to please God. I want to live right. Mm. I want to do the right thing. Um, I remember wanting so badly to have a biblical reason to divorce him where I could feel some sort of peace about it. That I told him probably more than once, a in, lot more than in once. some sort of heated argument. I wish he would just go ahead and cheat on me so that I could have a mm. release from this. Wow. Yeah. And at the time, not feeling one bit bad, I was saying that, like completely justified and as, in saying that. And as that. someone holding on, like that was probably the, and I don't even think she recognized it, but that, that's, yeah. that was the most hurtful thing that anybody could have ever told me. Mm-hmm. was like, and she didn't even say it that way. I put that together. She would be like, go find someone else. Right. And then it dawned on me one day, I'm like, because she kept, it, it did happen quite often in the middle of, why can't we work this out? I've been sober. I'm <laughs> I'm a different guy. And she would say it. And I would just be, cr- I would be, I remember just being devastated. Sure. Like, that you know somebody does not care for you anymore when your wife's like <laughs> they're encouraging you to go find somebody else. Please, yeah, go find yeah. a girlfriend. So Please. you you felt strongly enough to obviously say that you didn't did. want to get a divorce. But what what did you, where did you think this was going? And that's what I think that's she was holding out that I would go get a girlfriend. Yeah. That, and I mean, she, really, was that it? And that's what's confusing. And I I had. Um, good friends during that time too, that would gently kind of ask me those types of questions. Like, what are you doing? You know, it's been years now. Are you going to move on? You don't want this to happen. So why are you still, you know, holding onto this marriage? Right. Um, So, and again, I don't know that I ever 
will have a clear answer for that. Um, I would say maybe two years in, I remember um, I had contacted a lawyer. I had talked about um, getting a divorce or a legal separation, just making it, you know, official um, and kind of going down that road. Um, it was a time when Jeremy was in Idaho for some reason. I was in North Dakota. North Dakota. Coming, we were going to meet it in Driggs. Yeah, we were going to meet in Driggs. I was in Arizona. Um, and I remember calling him and telling him that, you know, what are we doing? I think we should, we need to get divorced. Like we're, this isn't going to work. And you said you had an attorney. Yeah. I talked to an attorney. Okay. Like, let's, let's get a divorce. Um, and I remember, yeah, the initial reaction, you know, was not great. And then we kind of agreed, well, we're going to see each other in a few days in Driggs. Let's talk about it face to face. Um, I remember Leighton and I driving to Driggs. We met Jeremy there. My parents still lived in Driggs at the time. Leighton and I were over at my parents' house. I remember Jeremy driving up into the driveway and Leighton hadn't seen him for a while. He was probably two-ish, um, three. Um, I remember Leighton running out of my parents' house down the driveway, running to Jeremy, being so excited to see Mm. him. And knowing Jeremy's story, knowing how he grew up in a divorced home, hearing his stories of the horror stories, you know, of him being with his dad and then being driving to be dropped off with his mom. And then he's so sad because he's missing his dad and feeling guilty, but he's excited to see his mom. You know, just the turmoil that kids go through. You know, I was picturing Leighton, you know, thinking like, what am I about to put him through? Um, So there was that. And then it's hard to explain also, but there was also this um, clear feeling, you know, there was the religious voice in my head, you know, that said divorce is wrong, but there was also this clear message, looking back, I know now was from the Holy Spirit, telling me, just wait, Hmm. Um, that I couldn't ever explain to anybody because you can't put something like that into words. It didn't make sense to me. It certainly didn't make sense to anyone I would try to explain it to, um, but just just wait. And I, I didn't know why. I didn't know what that meant. Was that frustrating at all? Or um, I yeah. almost found it peaceful. Okay. Um, because at least it was some sort of answer, um, that or even permission that it was okay to stay in this space that seemed like limbo for so long, um, it it kind of made it okay to stay there, even though it did not make sense from the outside looking in. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just hard to explain. There's no clear, you know, it was because of this. Um, That was just my experience with it. Yeah, I'll never forget. I was driving from North Dakota to Idaho. It was that day, and she knew we were going to see each other that Mm -hmm. night. And she called and told me that. And I just remember feeling like, this is it. I, I, I imagine for a couple you, of years You knew now, at that point, this thing's over. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I was surprised that it hadn't come sooner. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that the the thing about not getting divorced, and I wasn't going to get a girlfriend. <laughs> so I was like, probably just trying to wait her out. <laughs> right. But I remember her telling me that and being like, The only other time I felt this way is probably when my dad died. Like the finality of something, like mm-hmm. 
that hit me. I'll I'll never forget. This. I I was done drinking, right? Like I had no desire to drink, yeah. but I needed to feel something. Like I just felt so numb. I never even told you this. I was driving in west eastern Montana. And I pulled over at a gas station and I bought a pack of Marlboro Reds and I smoked two cigarettes. Because <laughs> I just need, I just, yeah. and they made me sick and I threw up. <laughs> yeah, you did. And my stomach was messed up too because of the news I just received. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny. <laughs> I remember sitting on the side of the road packing them and I forgot I needed a lighter. So I went and bought a lighter. Oh, gosh. And I just power smoked two cigarettes and cried. And I was like, this is it. And like, I, but my heart to go see Leighton was so strong. I'm like, I'm going to go there anyway. Cause everything in me wanted to run. Cause that was my MO, right? Is to bounce. Yeah. Um, and, but I missed my son. It was so hard being gone from him for 30 days at a time. But at the same time, it was so painful to be there. Cause I wasn't with my, my family wasn't together. And like Mary pointed all the triggers of divorce and that thing, even though we only lived 15 minutes from each other, just going to get him and taking him, you know, and dropping him back off and all of it just brought back a lot of painful memories. So that's what I was envisioning. And I get there and Leighton and I were rolling around on the grass in your parents' front yard. And just the, the, the rub of that tension of like, Mm -hmm. I gotta go. I'm spending the weekend with this woman who just told me that we're getting a divorce I want to be with my son and how awkward that felt being around her parents, knowing what all the things I'd done, you know, I mean, that night we went for a drive. She's like, let's go for a drive. And I was like, I did not want to be alone with her because it hurt. Right. And that's when you said, I don't think we should get a divorce. Yeah. I remember this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You had yeah. the papers, you were ready to go, you were meeting to discuss this, mm-hmm. and then you went yeah, from we went there to, mm-hmm. the I don't day. think we should, yeah, I don't think we're going to get a divorce. Yeah, 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 and and again, there, you know, there was that moment of seeing Leighton run to him, um, you know, and just the weight of, you know, what am I, you know, it's this decision does not just affect me. You know, this is going to have ramifications that are going to affect generations, you know. And so is there any possible way that this can can work out? Um, you know, and I don't remember the exact timeline, but it had been, I don't know, two years at that point, probably. So I had been able at this point to watch um, from a safe distance without any sort of attachment to him emotionally or financially or physically to be able to watch him um, actually get it together and actually um, tell the truth. Um, I started to really believe the things that he was saying about he was sober, he hadn't taken a drink, um, you know, I, I would tell myself all the time, you could always tell before, you know, so you can trust that. You can trust yourself. In so knowing you did that. see a tangible difference. So I, I, and I think maybe that was the first point where I let myself admit that I saw a tangible okay. difference. Um, because, yeah, until then. <laughs> and, and he had held down this job 
he um, was making a lot of money and he was saving money. That was huge for me um, before, um, you know, money was just kind of a reckless thing. And, and I always found um, security in uh, finances. And so that was always an issue. Um, and so to see him be wiser with his money, um, just being able to observe things on my own time without feeling rushed and from a safe distance, knowing that if he did screw up, um, I would not have to go through any sort of painful experience again because I was in no way involved with him. Okay. So that made it okay to just observe what was happening. Yeah. And it, I remember one time, like two years in, two year and a half years in, we'd, we'd started talking more. Because when I first would go to work, I mean, we'd talk once a week about Leighton, and that was it in my 30 days. Like, when we were talking one night, it was like late in North Dakota, and it was a couple hours different. So it was like 11 o'clock. And I was driving home after like an 18-hour day back to the man camp. And, and that life, that was just another whole humbling experience of going from being a cowboy and my identity and all this to mm-hmm. wearing a hard hat and not knowing anything about it. And I was, we were talking and I like hiccuped or stuttered or something. She's like, I knew it. I, I knew you couldn't not drink. And it literally was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like. Two years of sobriety, yeah, and I stumbled, and 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 I said mm-hmm. something that made triggered her to think that how I used to when I was drinking, you know, and it was, I just remember her. No matter what I said, she she's like, I'm not buying it. I knew, <laughs> I knew you weren't gonna. It was awful. Yeah. So how would you go from, I guess, hitting the pause button right on the mm-hmm. going forward with divorce? Mm-hmm. Then where'd you go from there? Then, yeah, I would say year three of separation was then maybe I started to crack the door just a little bit on thinking about what if we did try to repair this? What would that look like? Um, And that's when he he had always offered, you know, let me help you pay for stuff. Let me. Um, And so about year three, I think it was. Um, he started paying for our mortgage, which was a huge step for me. Sure. Um, My oil-filled friends were, I remember the, the time when it happened, I'm like, she's letting me pay the mortgage. <laughs> and they're like, you're freaking nuts, dude, because most of them are all like in middle. Trying to figure out how to not pay the mortgage. Second, di- <laughs> yeah. you know, child support, second divorces, and like. So I was so excited. Like, <laughs> she's letting me pay the bills. What is wrong with this guy? One bill. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah uh, it was just, again, an extremely slow process of letting them, yeah, pay a few things here and there. I think spiritually, too, I I was really on a track, though. Yes. That you were seeing yep. from, again, from a safe distance where yep. I wasn't doing it to check any boxes. Like, yep. I had said yes to the journey uh-huh. of counseling uh-huh. and AA. I was getting a ton yep. of healing in that area. And the first few years, it was a lot of, look at how good I'm doing. Look at how long I've gone without drinking. Look how much better I am. Look how I'm not such a roller coaster. Look, 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 look. And by year three, it was more, you stop saying, look at me, look how great I'm doing. And it was just more, you went off on your journey 
to where then I was like, Hmm. oh, actually, let me look and see what's going on over there. When you stop trying to call attention to how good you were doing is when I started to then open up a little bit more and say, and start to think, oh, okay, this really, you really are making these changes. You really are becoming a different person. And, and that's about the time that I settled into the fact that, like, I'm I'm getting healthier. Mm-hmm. I my self hatred and shame is going down, not away, but down to the point. I'm like, what does life look at like without Mary? And like Mary said, I'd saved a ton of money because remember, right before this, we lost everything, like our right. house, mm-hmm. truck, like bankrupt, and so I, I was on track. And feeling healthier and better about myself. And I started looking at real estate in Idaho. Okay. Because I was like, I want my son to be grow up around my family, around my mom and my dad and my sister and her family. And so my thought was, I'll fly to Prescott from North Dakota, get in my truck, grab Layton, and come up here for two weeks at a time. And stay at the ranch at my dad's and with my mom and, you know, my sister and and... I started looking in Emmett because it was kind of halfway between my dad's and the airport. And that's when I found this place. Well, and let me back up. So about two months before that though, my place where I was living sold. And remember I moved into your guest bedroom. Mm. So you had to, you had to get out of there because it sold. Yeah. So you let him stay in the house. We were doing good enough at that point. Like we were mm-hmm. actually hanging out. Like mm-hmm. I think we even went camping once. I don't know. No, I... we tried to go camping at rain, so we got a motel room. And oh, you stayed yeah. in the one bed and I stayed in uh-huh. the other. But we were starting to have fun with Leighton and you were I let you come over for Christmas. That was a big deal. Uh-huh. We had Christmas dinner together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of like, and I wouldn't even say like we started dating again, Mm -mm. but we definitely... No, because dating includes like making out and stuff, and that was not happening. There was none of that. None of that. None of that. That would have been, yeah, too much. (laughs) Too much, too fast. (laughs) And not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Too much and not enough. So (laughs) for you, Jeremy, from Mary's perspective, right, and and it sounds like you, you, there was a heart shift in you where it wasn't trying to to your point, Mary, like, look at what I'm doing. Look Mm -hmm. what I'm, the changes I'm making. Like you genuinely wanted this for you. Mm -hmm. And then were you also holding on hope? It sounds like you're hanging out more and dating. And and so you, you thought, Hey, we're going down a path where I can get my wife back. I thought, no, I I thought we're on a path that we are, we're going to be able to co-parent and get along well enough for drop-offs Okay, and the switches. I I didn't have a lot of hope in us getting back together because we were starting to have fun, but there was no romantic inclinations Mm. or welcoming like into my space. And I I know what that's like when it's, when somebody's into you, even a little bit, you can tell, right? So you weren't really letting yourself go down that road either. No, I was like, cool. It felt good. I miss my friend too. Like Mm. we've been friends for you know, a while and then we weren't at all. And so it felt good to, I think also like the dad guilt of Leighton having two healthy parents, um, cohabiting the same room mm-hmm. felt good. But yeah, I was like, if this is, a, if this is all it's going to be, um, 
I, I was getting okay with it. Mm. And that's when I was like, started looking at real estate and like, I think I'm going to move to Idaho. And again, we had Christmas. Um, I think we also came up here one time on a trip. I came up here to look at real estate mm-hmm. and she came with me. Okay. But again, it was just like, cool, let's go look at some mm-hmm. properties. There was still no talk of her like coming with me. It was, it was, I remember the talk on the way back of like, what does it look like for Layton to, I think she had bought into my sobriety at that point. Cause again, mm-hmm. it'd been almost four years at that point of me being sober, but it, it was, there was no talk of like, well, I think I'll go with you. You guys were buddies that had a kid together at that time. At, yeah. At that yeah. point, we so. were friends. That's accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I found this place and I'm like, I'm buying it. Okay. And it took almost six or seven or eight months for it to happen because it, sh- it was a short sale. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think I moved in with you. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's fuzzy. And and again, like this is what is difficult for me to try to explain to people because I feel like, um, you know, we've talked to couples over the years, you know, who've gone through similar instances, you know, similar situations. And I feel like they, they're wanting this magic formula. They're wanting this magical answer of, well, he did this and then I said this and then we got back together and it was great, but it was just such a slow process of, um, just maybe a little heart shift there, a little mind shift over here, another little tweak here over the years that eventually led to a point where, and again, it was a blessing that the sale of this place in Idaho took so long because that was even more time for me to start to think about what would it look like if I went with you? Um, you know, at that point, I'm definitely trusting you more. Hmm. We are having fun together when we're together. Yeah, we're laughing. And- yeah, yeah. Um, we are good friends again. What does that look like? Um, so, yeah, I mean, when I it... I don't remember the conversation. I don't either. Of her, like the place closed. Yeah. We came up, you came with me. Yeah, I think even before it closed, we had decided. Yeah, and I, we yeah. gutted the place and, and my brother-in-law, Jason, like, Oh man, yeah. Finished it. Amazing. Shout out to him. And your sister. And my sister. Yeah. They redid the whole house. We, we we didn't see it. They didn't show us a picture, nothing. Yeah. So amazing. we decided we're gonna do this. We're gonna give it the, another try. Yeah. So we move up here in one trip. Horses, yeah. U-Hauls, all the vehicles, trailers. Our first night sleeping in the same bed in probably four or five years. Because mm-hmm. we were not sleeping was in here. the same bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, We were not sleeping in the same bed a year, year and a half before no. we separated. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was safe to say five years. The first night we slept in the same bed was in this house. Did your feet touch? Did you? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think that not. happened that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was, yeah. that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then everything, uh, as we wrap up this podcast, everything perfect. <laughs> the end. It's been happening. Yeah, exactly. Happy. All we needed was a little break from each other. That's right. And then to get back it's together. All perfect. Yeah. And then we we mm. made out once, and uh-huh. the rest is literally. I mean, it's been a perfect yeah. marriage ever since. Yeah. So thanks oh, for yeah, checking thanks for out listening. the podcast. Yeah, you guys aren't getting off that easy. <laughs> 
but here, here's what's interesting, though. Just to go back to this for a second, mm-hmm. because you, Mary, you said like people that you've talked to over the years, and like, okay, give me the magic formula, right? Yeah. And there is none. Right. But at the same time, Jeremy, you getting to a point of brokenness and and your heart shift and desiring to get healthy for the sake of you, right? Like you, you always say you can't give away what you don't have. Like, like you needed to get healthy. And then because of that, because of what was happening in you, now, Mary, you're starting to take notice, right? Mm -hmm. You're starting to see the fruit of what was happening. You're starting to, I'm I'm kind of putting words in your mouth. So, Mm -hmm. so correct me. If I'm wrong, but you started to trust him a little bit more mm-hmm. with what you were seeing because at that point it was genuine. There's no ulterior motive. Exactly. He wasn't trying to do this to get mm-hmm. back with you. Like it, it just was. It, I think that's something important to recognize, right? Yeah. It, it, well said. It, and that's literally what happened. Like uh, that wasn't the strategy. That's organically mm-hmm. how it went down because I just started going on my own journey. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I, I was so codependent. I have language for it now. At the time, I had no one showing. Nobody was helping us. We tried to go to counseling a couple of times. Talk about a train wreck, dude. <laughs> and they all had the Jesus fish on their cart. I mean, and it it, it didn't matter. It was those are the the best ones. Oh, it was <laughs> it was awful. Um, because the, here here's the narrative of counseling. What it looked like for us. Okay, you're having marriage some stuff. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy, tell me about your parent. Tell me about your childhood. Hmm. Well, my dad's been married five times, my mom three. Okay, Mary, what about you? And she would sit there with this little smirk on her face. <laughs> my parents are still together. Yeah. <laughs> I win. <laughs> and it, it it's just a total went, competition it, of so who yes. could be right more. Yeah, it yeah. was, and it it was ridiculous. downhill from there right. quick and we'd waste a bunch of money and everyone's time. Right. So, yeah, it, it you you did put it well, Josh, because it it was me just saying yes to my own journey, and and again I keep going back to Gwen. Yeah, and I was talking with Rob Wiley the other day. He's like, you need to track her down. Yeah, that for would be sure. amazing for sure. And like yeah. buy her a trip to Maui or something. Yeah. Like she was so <laughs> instrumental of totally making me own my own stuff, um, not letting me be a victim, which was so what I needed because it's easy when you have a trauma in your childhood there's a fine line between ownership of your actions and having compassion for the trauma you've been through. And I did not know what that looked like because mm-hmm. I hated myself and I had a bunch of trauma that I didn't know what to do with. And I would, when I would start to feel bad for myself, it was always in the context of, well, look what my wife won't do or this or that. Yeah. And, and she just would not let me put up. She wouldn't put up with any, um, of that for me. So that was really a, a, the, the, the tipping point for me of going on my own journey and then her getting That's to feel good. even safer. Right. Right. And you had to be willing to want to go down your own journey. Well, and it was like, okay, what does my life look like without her? Yeah. And what it can't look like this because I'm a, I'm a shell of the man. Mm-hmm. And I just work my guts out and I have money in the bank and I don't care about it because it's relational. Right. And being a good dad to Gabby and, and Leighton at the time was like, I don't got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. The, the marriage thing, the intimacy thing, that's gone. So that wasn't what's happening. Left? Mm-hmm. What's left? Well, I still got to show up for these two kids mm. somehow. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? A healthy version of me. Yeah. 
That's good. Yeah. So when you, how, how long did you guys live in Idaho before we moved here? We've, We've been, been here almost 10 years. 10 years in March. Okay. So, so we're like six years, and a half. So, yeah. Three, four okay. years. Yeah. So living happily ever after, right? You moved to Idaho. We, didn't know, we knew no one here. Yeah. In Emmett. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way it was, you know, happily ever after, you know, for that first six months or so. Oh, it's, yeah. And it, it wasn't terrible, but it's fun. You know, it's a fresh start. Mm-hmm. It is new. We love where we're at. I mean, our place is amazing. There was a lot to work on, so we're busy. Um, Jeremy and Doc had started Regen at the same time, so there's this new business that they're pouring themselves into. Um, you know, Lane's starting a new school. There's a lot going on yeah. that keeps you busy and keeps you distracted. Um, and so, you know, it was, you know, and I, I would say it was never bad when we were here. But I think we had, um, well, obviously we brought all of our baggage with us when we came. You don't leave that behind. Um, mm. And then also we had a series of conversations where we would agree, like, we could make it work the way that it was. We could stay together. We could be okay. And maybe our marriage was at 60%. You know, we would get along, we'd fight here and there, mm-hmm. the, you know, intimacy wasn't great. I still had a lot of walls and mm-hmm. um, bitterness I was holding on to, um, but we could make it work. But at one point, I remember we were sitting under the tree out there, we agreed, we don't want to do this halfway. You know, we've gone this far, we've mm-hmm. come this far. What do we need to do now to where we are living this a hundred percent. We're both giving a hundred percent. We're both all in. We're both trying to figure this out. What does that look like? What was lacking the most at that time from both of your perspectives? Well, like she said, we, we brought all of our brokenness from our, mm-hmm. before we separated, that didn't go anywhere. Right. We just separated. Right. It was all still there. And the, and the honeymoon of the excitement of a new start, mm-hmm. a new mm-hmm. place, um, and that we'd made it through a lot. It was like, it was a nice six months, I think. Mm-hmm. And we had, fam- like, my family's close, mm-hmm. and we were kind of diving into that, what that looks like, navigating, because we never lived around family really yeah. before. Um, so it, it was nice. And their intimacy had returned after, you know, four-plus years. Yeah. Um, And then that started getting tricky again. It was like... All this, all the baggage caught up. Like we didn't, we didn't unpack it all. Yeah, in the okay. U-Haul, and then we got a bunch of boxes shipped to us, and it was all of our mm. junk that we brought <laughs> from before that we thought we left in Arizona, but it it all it, it made it here. You still brought yourselves with you, huh? Every <laughs> box of crap. It all came. It all made it to Emmett, Idaho, <laughs> and it started showing up. Um, it was it was unique because. Like Mary said, Doc and I were building region, so I'd be gone for a long time, and then mm-hmm. come home, and it it would be good for a little while, but then the baggage would show up, the brokenness, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the ways that we could hurt each other started showing up again, and we would use those ways mm-hmm. to hurt each other because we didn't have language or understand how to communicate mm-hmm. well. Okay, and all I wanted to come home to was a steak dinner and sex after being gone for a month. Sure. Mm-hmm. All Mary wanted 
to come home to was have a husband that could come help her with our property. Mm-hmm. And at that point in the journey, we've had a couple more kids, Bronson yeah. and Grady boy. And so she's taking care of all of our animals, nine acres, irrigation, school, all the things. And so she needed me to show up in this way. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were not meeting each other's needs. Let's be honest. Sex was the last thing on her mind at that point. The last. And yeah. then some. <laughs> and then some. Like the I've, last thing, and it's way yeah, over there. <laughs> I've been watching your kids for the last however right, long. Right. Holding down the fort. Right. Yeah. Get yeah, your own stake in it. all and, together. And we're starting a new business. So the, the yeah. stress of... Yeah. That's a whole nother yeah, podcast. Yeah, you and Doc need to go over that. And story at some I mean, point. and our wives, like yeah. just not getting paid and going yeah. months without a paycheck, and, and just wondering what does this look like? Is oh. this a waste of time? Is this the thing? Is the next phone call the big breakthrough we've been waiting for? Such a roller coaster just sure. in that area, right so there. So dump that on this, you know, yeah. marriage that we're trying to figure out, yeah. and we don't have any tools with now three kids and and everything that goes along with that trying to just survive, you know, your day-to-day life. And also, yeah, what does this relationship look like now? Our marriage was no better the second time around than it was the first time. Other than I was sober. sober. Yeah. But all the pain of my childhood and abuse and all that trauma, Uh I I brought to Emmett with us. I just Mm -hmm. wasn't, it was actually, it was harder because I wasn't, numbing the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was all upfront in person for both of us. And it would show up in ways that I didn't know how to cope with it. Uh-huh. I didn't know how to deal with my abandonment. I didn't know how to deal with the intimacy stuff is real tricky mm-hmm. with sex abuse. Like it, it's sure. that's a whole nother conversation, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I felt we just really would hurt and, each other. And I brought in all of the bitterness that I still had towards him from those early years and all of that anger that I feel like I could I could damp it down just below the surface. But when he would show up with these big emotions, yeah. you know, no, he's not drunk anymore, but those emotions in that, raw. <laughs> those are very raw. And so right away my walls would come right back where they were very comfortable being. And so we were still finding ourselves in the same pattern, minus the alcohol, but the same circular pattern, the same arguments, the same justifications for things were all still right there. For years. For years, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and again, like, we could make it work, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't... We there was a lot of years, the Emmett years, we'll call them, where we didn't really like each other much. Right, right. There would be seasons, but Mm -hmm. we mostly we always loved each other, but we really didn't like each other. Right, like you would call and say you were coming home from a from a shift wherever you know a job wherever, and it would be dread. Like he's gonna come home. Yeah, because she would find a routine while I was gone, Mm, and everybody's functioning at a good level. Yep. And I would come home and (laughs) And bring your emotions with you. Bring these big emotions. (laughs) And appetites. One more person to take care of. (laughs) Like it wasn't something I looked forward to when he was coming home. And 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 to be honest with you, like the rejection I felt at home went Mm. away when I was staying at a motel working and eating good meals and Doc and I are going to movies and like it was like this whole separate life is so weird. 
of building this company outside of where we live. And then the, the re-entry to home life, dude, was Mm -hmm. brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. We figured it out now. Yeah. But it was. So now you get a steak dinner right when you come home. And everything. We, we figured everything. <laughs> the second I get home. It's like the kids are at the neighbors. Oh, oh gosh. He here, here we go, he folks. Lines yeah. are dropped. I mean, it's go time. No. So Jeremy still lives in a fantasy yeah. world sometimes. No. No, we've got it. We've, we've got boundaries and all yeah. sorts of protective things in yeah. healthy ways. So, but we tried some. We So back to your point, Mary, is we were like, we. We want to. I think the conversation came from how we wanted to model marriage to our sons. Mm, yeah, mm. because it wasn't modeled great for. Me. Yeah. So. The the humility of like, well, let's go talk to someone. Even though, I think we had a we had trauma in even in counseling before because mm-hmm. I would lie. Yeah. Mary would make me look bad. Right. Right. And I would defend myself. We were just yeah. very defensive. Or I our- would get the Bible verses thrown at me. And <laughs> yeah. We did not have great experiences with no. counseling before. Yeah. Well, have sex with your husband. It says right here that right. you're supposed to do yeah. this. Right. And I'm and I'm sitting there like, yeah, you're supposed to respect <laughs> yeah. your, your husband. And I wasn't living a life that was worth respecting. Mm. So it was just. Yeah. So we we tried some counseling and it, it didn't work either. And we were just felt a little bit hopeless and like. What does this journey look like for us in our marriage? Yeah, we were really trying at that point. We 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 did find a level of humility that was new to both of us of yeah. like recognizing like we're hurting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's we don't know not what to do all about you. It. You know, it's you know, it's me too. You're saying the same thing. You know, and you, there, you there both was. realized at that point, hey, there's stuff in mm-hmm. us that needs to get healthy. Yes, right. And oftentimes, I just want to point this out because. Like your unhealthiness, Jeremy, feeds off of Mary's and vice versa, and it, it triggers each other. And I mean, how often does that happen in any relationship, but it, a marriage, obviously, right? Well, it if if you have rejection in your life and abandonment, like I felt, when you wake up in the morning and want to be intimate with your wife, and you roll over and put your hand on her shoulder, and mm-hmm. she jumps out of bed and <laughs> like she's on fire and runs out of the room... <laughs> I'm a, out of the I'm a five-year-old boy again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm. my abandonment takes over, and I would punish her for a month passive-aggressively. Mm-hmm. A little bit, sub, mostly subconsciously even, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Yeah. Like, yeah. She'd, she'd done nothing wrong. Her heart shut down. She's like, what are you... What, we, right. And some days, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. But just not feeling like it couldn't be enough Mm-mm. because his wounds were so yeah. deep. It was such high stakes for him. That and it would take it, me a week to even have the courage to reach over and put my hand on her shoulder because yeah. my fear of rejection is so through the roof because of abandonment. Mm-hmm. And then, unless it ended the way that I needed it to end in sure. my codependency of <laughs> me, I can only be okay unless mm-hmm. I feel need wanted by my wife. And in that way, dude, I literally i would I would find ways to punish her. So and, and a lot of it subconscious. Sure. Yeah. But just yeah, like just I would shut down here to her. and there. Yeah. yeah. And She'd what would like, that do yeah. to you, Mary? The passive aggressiveness. Then yeah, it would just feed that same old bitter fire mm. that would be stoked so quickly 
<laughs> and so, and then, you know, it would justify then my reactions to him. Mm-hmm. You know, well, why would I want to when this is the person that you are? You know, so it was just this same circular, you know, he'd reach out a little bit for whatever reason, you know, it's like, no, I don't feel like it or yeah. whatever, for whatever reason. Um, you know, and then that would feed his insecurities, which would feed my bitterness, yeah. which would yep. then feed his insecurities. And it would just go on and on and on like that. Well, and and I didn't realize it at the time, but I had like a pretty low level of hatred for women in general. Mm. Because all of them, to this point, except for my one grandma, there was bitterness there in in abandonment or betrayal. Yeah, there's just a lot of hurt there. A yeah. ton of trauma with women. Yeah. From all the stuff that mm-hmm. I talked about in my podcast. But I, I didn't know it, but I just, I didn't trust women. Mm. And this just reedified it in the person that I had married. Yeah. And we huh. just didn't have language for any of this. No. We, I mean, you can see it going on, you feel it going on, you know it's not right, but you don't know how to get out of it. And you don't, you don't know how to stop it. And you don't know how to put words to it, which mm-hmm. is a helpless feeling. It's super helpless. And, and it's just like people that think, man, if I just had enough money, everything would be better. Yeah. Where there's a little bit of truth in that, right? Like if, if when you're broke, like Mary and I have been like mm-hmm. below poverty before financially. And yeah, it, it would soothe it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if we could have sex four, three or four times a week, that would make, that would heal all my mm-hmm. insecurities <laughs> right. and abandonment yeah. and wounds. And the, and they're both a lie. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would think like if he could just not have so many ups and downs, if he could just be like this steady, steady guy, mm-hmm. that would make me feel secure and then I would feel fine. Yeah. You know, those are the lies that you they're, buy into. Yeah. The, there's these narratives of like, man, if I just had enough money, my life would be better. Yeah. If my wife would have enough sex with me, mm-hmm. I would... She's the reason why I'm not happy. Right. That's well, you needed narrative. both. You needed each other to get healthy so that you can be healthy, right? right. We thought. <laughs> yeah. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. But, <laughs> just get your stuff together so then I can be okay. Then I'll be fine. But here's the problem with it. Four seconds after we would be intimate, mm-hmm. I still felt broken. I still felt abandoned. I still felt shame in it from my past. I still... Yeah. It's like the guy that wins the lottery and buys a new car, and then he's like, I still feel horrible inside. Like, mm-hmm. that's she, there was nothing that she could do or give me or have enough sex or cuddle me enough that made me have fulfillment and feel whole and feel mm-hmm. healthy inside. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what to do with that because she would try. Mm-hmm. Because that was my narrative. I'm like, if I just don't feel like you're intimate mm. enough with me. If if we were intimate more, I would feel better. I would be a better dad, a better husband. Like I put all this pressure on her, right? To the point where she's like, Okay, these are the days. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be intimate. I remember those days. And <laughs> our dude, schedule. I, the schedule. No, I was yeah. joke in our circle. Like, ooh, it's Wednesday. I was I was I was like, we're making progress. Yeah. But it, Everyone I think I would even send you like a text on the day just to, you know, offer some encouragement. Up, right? All you guys. And I'm guys so were. like pragmatic in my thinking, yeah. like, okay, if there's a system to this, we're gonna figure it out. So yeah. I'm like, all right, you need it this many days, I'll give it to you that many days. Here we go. But here's the thing, like, if we're honest, right, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, how many couples 
in Christian couples are playing at that 60%. Yes. Right. We've talked Where about it's that like, many times. It's not, most. we're okay. We can kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. We're making it work from the outside. Mm-hmm. It looks fine. Nobody else knows any difference. And you have kids, so it's distracting and yep. you're busy and it takes the focus off just this relationship. Well, yep. yeah. the stakes are too high. You guys really like if, if to do the unearthing that Mary and I've done yeah. is freaking scary because you got to go into all the scary broken places of mm-hmm. your life mm-hmm. to figure out why do I show up in my marriage this way? Yeah. What in me is so broken that I think my wife can fix it by having enough sex with me. Mm-hmm. And the answer is it's not. She, I had to again, go on my own journey yeah. and it had nothing to do with her. I thought it did. I mm-hmm. thought I could fill that broken hole with this or that or drinking or enough sex or enough money could fix. And it doesn't. It can't. The fulfillment is found, I believe, in your own journey with God. Yeah. So both of you give us some insight into what that looked like. Well, well, it really started, I think, when, when I met Justin. Yeah, I was going to say. So we tried counseling with mm-hmm. traditional counselors. Um, and they were and great. They were it great. Just, they were great. It just felt like there was, it was so slow, like to go once a week for an hour to do the kind of work we needed to do would literally have taken years and thousands of dollars. Because they want to start at the beginning. So why yeah. did you guys break mm-hmm. And they just why did they you don't guys they don't um <laughs> give you they don't call you out on stuff. They just ask leading questions and try to get you I think legally to a certain place. They I'm can't. not sure. Is that what it is? So some, some enter counselors. Justin. So I didn't talk about Justin in my story. I don't think it went that way, but real quickly, so my first stepmom when I was little, yeah, found me about 15 years ago on Facebook and said, hey, and it freaked me out, and I didn't answer for quite a while. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. And this was right in the middle of us not doing good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I finally responded to her, and she's like, oh, I'm, I don't know what happened. I'm, I, you know, whatever. We reconnected. And she, as over time, she starts telling me about she had a son with her husband, and they adopted a daughter, mm-hmm. and, this hus- and this son – is doing this and that. He has this podcast. And so I started listening to his podcast and it was cool. Yeah. Um, I go to California to go to a, a business retreat or a business uh, conference. Conference. And I didn't know it, but this dude who is <laughs> Justin is speaking at this event. And That's I'm like, funny. I remember getting nervous. I was like, I got to say something to this guy. So I walk up to him right before he's about to go on stage. I'm like, hey, do you like riddles? And like, I'm towering over him. (laughs) He's like, what? He's like looking through his notes, right? Because he's about to talk. I think Abby was talking. Um, No, it was during a break. Oh, okay. And do you like riddles? And he's like, what? I'm like, do you like riddles? And he's like, okay. And I always like to say, like, he's looking around like, where's security? Like, (laughs) of course he is. (laughs) And I go, and I say to him, I said, your mom was my mom before she was your mom. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he got it. And he's like, Jeremy. And then we started reciting stepbrother lines to each other. Oh, gosh. And that started a journey of 
me going to dinner with him that night and telling him my story and Mary and I's story. And he's um, a coach. Life consultant. A life consultant. Mm-hmm. And shortly after I met him, he helped me work through a bunch of stuff with my mom and really like showed up for me as this stepbrother, but we really bonded. And then at one point, Mary and I were like, I asked him, I'm like, would you marry my wife and I are struggling with some stuff. Mm. And so that's the story of how we met Justin that really took us on the journey for a couple of years of to getting us where we were today. Mm-hmm. That's changed everything. Yeah. So- he, I mean, and he was just so different than any counselor we had seen. Um, you know, counselors, <laughs> counselors were just so much more subtle and, and gentler. <laughs> How come your face is turning red right now? <laughs> I was just thinking about the things that you would say. Um, you didn't hold any punches. I, I love hate Justin. I'll say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was so good um, in, in just calling both of us out on things that even subconsciously that I would blame Jeremy for, he would blame me for, and he would continually point back to ourselves, mm. which was not fun. It's no, not fun. I remember the first time I sat down with him, it was on Zoom yeah. or FaceTime in my office here, and he's like, so how's it going? And I started to say, well, she doesn't do this. Or she doesn't. And he goes, stop, get a pen. I want you to write something down. I'm like, oh, okay, it's important. <laughs> so I get over, come back to my desk and get a pen. And he's like, okay, ready? And I'm like, yep. He goes, Mary is not your effing problem. And I was like, <laughs> I was so offended. Yeah. So the short version of the story is I tell Mary. Well, this. then he said, you are your own. Yeah. Problem. He said, Mary's not your problem. You're your own effing problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was <laughs> so offended because he'd been this gentle guide for me in the healing <laughs> journey with my mom. And I thought he was going to rescue me from my wife and how wrong she was and all this stuff. And Mary never told you she paid him to say that. Right? No. Well, <laughs> well he, I I tell Mary that what he told me, I think I showed her what I wrote down. <laughs> and she I just the glee. Oh, I was like, <laughs> this guy is amazing. Like I love him. Yeah. And, and so we had we, it set up was I would talk to him one week, she would talk to him the next yeah. week, and okay. then together we would talk to him the third week. Yeah. So it's my turn now to meet with him by myself. I'm feeling pretty good. Like he's gonna be on my side. This is great. Which you were kind of used to, problem. right? Yeah, I'm used yeah. to that. Like I, got, I got this. Yeah. I got this. So yeah, I go in, sit down. Justin comes up on Zoom. They have a few pleasantries, and he's like, "Get a pen." I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, we have one. Sorry. Jeremy is not your effing problem. You are your own effing problem. Yeah. And I was like. Hate this guy, yeah. <laughs> but turns out, yeah, as we kind of continued down that road, and and we consulted with him for a long time, uh, yeah, a long time, and it was the perfect scenario for you to meet with him, me to meet with him, and then to come together where he could really help us navigate through those um, circular arguments that we would have. Um, and yeah, I mean, he would just get right in there and, and he taught us about validating each other. Mm. Um, he, he was just so, so good at making both of us feel seen and feel heard. And at the same time, calling us out on anything that, um, wasn't true. 
Yeah, it it was super hard because he told us all the things about ourselves that we that you really never want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very exposing yeah. to have someone read your mail like that. And also, like, put you back together in the same hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, what just happened? Was like, uh, it was really powerful. But yeah, it, the journey was he would take us by ourselves and like, nope, you're not. That's you're your own problem. And and so he was really working through all of our brokenness individually. Mm-hmm. Then when we would get together, it was like this little bit wholer version of ourselves yeah. had something to bring to the table in our marriage for the very first time, a tool, one tool yeah. mm. that we were going and fighting for by ourselves. Then we'd bring it together. And like this, all these little puzzle pieces started fitting back together yeah. of how we could work through things. Yeah. And I mean, it over the year that we did it, I think it, it, it started changing to the point now I told, I think I told you, Josh, this the other day, like, cause we're super open about like when we do get in fights, yeah. um, we, cause we still do a fight that would derail us for maybe a month or two mm-hmm. now, like we can work through it. I'm not kidding you in five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I cannot explain how huge that is because a fight that we still feel just as strongly and just as triggered and just as, um, you know, all those same emotions are there that, that they would have been five years ago. But now we have the tools to work through it where I still feel heard. I still feel seen. You still feel heard and seen. And we can still come to a place where we can work through that. Yeah. Like you said, quickly. Well, and... Maybe we agree to disagree, and that's right. okay, and because that's okay. my codependency on mm-hmm. her needing to show up for me a certain yeah. way so that's that good. I Never feel okay, okay before. I couldn't – it just hurt so bad yeah. for her to not agree with me or think that I meant to say this thing a certain way and it wasn't read that way yeah. by her was devastating to me. Right. It triggered all my emotions of rejection and – and abandonment and like, well, if my wife, if, if, if she can't see from my point of view, she doesn't love me. That's how high the stakes were every time we got in a fight. Mm-hmm. And now we've learned how to be like, okay, wait, let, she can say, I'm feeling this way about this and explain why. And I can repeat to her exactly. So let me get this straight. I'm giving her an opportunity to correct me. Mm-hmm. This is what I hear you're saying you feel this way when I do this or I show up or don't show up, or this is how I reprimanded the kid and you did not like it. And this is why. And she's like, and she gets to say, Nope, that's not what I said. Mm. This is what I said. That's good. And I'm like, Oh, see, you can already see where the implosion happens in most marriages is because we're not understanding each other well and we're not listening. So that gives her an opportunity to say, no, this is what, and sometimes it gives us another stab at it because the emotions are already coming down because her guard's down now because I'm saying, I, I think this is what I hear you saying because I'm listening to you. And she gets to say, yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. And then I get to put the 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 shoe on the other foot for a minute and be like, from your point of view of what I'm hearing you say, I can totally see how you would feel that way. Is it hard to slow down and do that? And what's helped you slow down and do that? I would, I mean, in, it takes practice. Reps. Yeah. Yep. It takes practice. You just have to do it a lot. 
Um, and somebody I feel like has got to go first. Somebody's yeah. got to say I'm sorry first. Somebody's got to somebody's got to set down their gun first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where the stakes feel high and it's scary yeah. to be the first one to set your gun down. And I say we're close to 50-50. And as soon and as that? one of us does, you can feel the tension drain. And yeah. you can feel like, okay, we're ready to safe, meet each other a in a place, place where yeah. we're really genuinely trying to understand where the other one's coming from. Um Justin taught us to validate each other, which for me was pivotal in learning to forgive and let go of all of that bitterness, all of that anger towards him. Um, What does that look like, Mary? Because I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there that don't really understand that. Yeah. um, You know, and again, kind of going back to, I don't want to keep harping on the church and bad counselors and things, but there was a lot of advice of, um, you know, you, you were wrong. You need to forgive. You need to forget. You need to move on. You need to quit bringing up the past. Um, which it only led to then me. Okay. The only way I can do that is to shove these feelings down because they haven't been validated. Mm. He, he wasn't really sorry for them at the time. You feel like somebody's getting away with something. He's getting away with it. But if I need to forgive and forget, I, I need to forgive seven times, you know, 77. Like, yeah. I have to keep forgiving. So I then, I interpreted that. The only way to be able to do that and stay in this relationship is to shove that down, stop thinking about it, basically pretend it didn't happen, and try to move on. Which... I did that for years, especially when we first moved here. Mm-hmm. And again, I could fake it. We could have that 60%-ish okay marriage, but it was right there below the surface. Right. Um, and so until we started working with Justin, and at the same time, we went through their Living Fully Alive class, um, which also gave us so many valuable tools um, Justin taught us how to validate each other. So that would look like, um, going back to each individual area where I felt hurt mm-hmm. whenever a memory might come up or a situation might come up, um, you know, that's specific, like, okay, Jeremy, there was, I'm going to make something up here. Um, you know, a time where you, we were off to work and I was single parenting Layton and he was in bed that night crying because he missed you. And I felt so angry at you. I was in this alone. You know, how could you leave us here? How could you choose alcohol over me? You know, all of those feelings that I was feeling at the time, I then can bring those to Jeremy, share that with him. Yeah. And in the past, maybe if I would have tried to do that, it would have been met with don't you see how much I've changed? I'm not that how person anymore. How come you can't forgive me? Why can't you let that go? That was our circular and that, argument. And I would throw scripture in her and face. And then scripture would be yeah, thrown in, you know, which just is <laughs> It's unvalidating. <laughs> it's yeah, so, so unvalidating. So what Justin taught us to do, you know, when I would bring that to you, you would then say something like... Yeah, and and still, it still happens. Yeah, it still happens. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I mean, like, wasn't it last Valentine's we went for a drive? Yeah. And we're just driving. I think somebody watched the kids and Valentine's. And I just started thinking of all these times that must have been super hard for her. And Mm -hmm. I just started validating her. Like, I'm so sorry you felt so alone. 
I'm so sorry that I abandoned you. I'm so sorry I chose alcohol over you. And it, and that that do, it doesn't happen without humility. It do, mm-hmm. and yeah. but see, if I didn't go on my journey, there's no way I could do that. Especially right. if you you know cross examine my areas of brokenness and abandonment and all of this. Like it's so accusatory for men and their egos and their pride to have mm-hmm. their wife say, "Well, seven years ago, you got drunk and said something that I'm fat or whatever it is," and and it just. It's. I bought into this narrative now, and it's really painful. What do you mean? Seven years ago, Jiminy Christmas, woman, get over sure. it. Right, right. Which is what happened. Haven't you forgiven me for that? How could you not? Right. For the Bible says. Yeah. So for me, it's like humbling myself and listening to her heart and what she's saying and being like, oh, I can't imagine how hard that would have been. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. that I abandoned you. I'm so sorry that. And not, not doing it because I made the mistake sometimes of like, I'm so, I would start on the right track and be like, I'm so sorry that in my brokenness of my <laughs> childhood that I showed up this way, which is again, like not the right way to do it. Yeah. It's like leveraging my brokenness as an excuse of being a victim. And it's not about you at that point, right? No, it's yeah. it but but see, I think again, we make it about ourselves. Yeah, right. And well, if you had because I would say stuff like if you if you had my childhood, you think you'd mm-hmm. do better than me? Mm-hmm. If you've been through the things I've been like mm-hmm. how unvalidating. That's me. That's me coming over the top of her heart saying, "I've had so much trauma in my life. You had this perfect life. How dare you question mm-hmm. how I show up in our marriage?" Yeah, right? your pain doesn't matter. Yours yeah, is you less than mine. Right? Yeah, yeah, which is extremely unvalidating, and then only you know lets me know at that point. Okay, the walls are where they should be. They need to be up there because he's not going to understand if I try to let them down and express what my heart is feeling. I remember. Mm. I remember at one point a few years ago. In the midst of all of this, like my prayer life's changed too. To like, God, show me my wife's heart and how you created her to be, not the version of how I want her to be or how I want her to show up for me. Because I think even in our prayer life, sometimes we can be real mm-hmm. funky right there mm-hmm. about totally. God, give me a woman that has the same appetite for sex as I do, or you know, whatever. Like yeah. these selfish, like prayers, and then we're bummed out at God when, when it doesn't happen. But like, literally, I remember that just that shift in my mind, and even spiritually, of like, God, how did how did you make your daughter's heart to operate and give me wisdom and insight to show up for her in the ways that. You created her to need to be showed up for. And to me, that's like getting to the end of yourself finally. For Mm -hmm. me, it was anyway, of not being selfish and self-absorbed about how I need everyone in the room to show up for me, right? And my codependency of needing everyone to be a certain way or me not, or I couldn't be okay. Right. And just letting everyone be them and be on their journey. And starts with, you know, it started really with Mary. Yeah. And I'm I'm feeling like we should mention this because y- you both have been on this journey together and simultaneously, right? And then coming together. But for people that may not be going through this journey with their spouse at the same time, mm-hmm. you can validate yourself as well, correct? Yes. Oh. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And that's important. It's it's so, huge. And it sounds weird, it especially does. coming from my culture of cowboy, tough mm-hmm. guy, masculine. But like we 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 talk to each other about how bad we are all the time. Right? <laughs> how bad we blew it, how much we suck, the shame, the guilt. Our mm-hmm. self talk. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. horrible. So to me, it, it is very important to learn how to, and I, I have found it to be extremely powerful in that, like, picturing that seven-year-old boy and really feeling bad for him. Like, I've wept over mm. some of the trauma I've been through, a lot of it, most of it, actually, for that boy. And it's super healing to, like, oh, having compassion for him. Yeah. And... Also, just being grateful that I'm still alive and I'm still here, and but it it is powerful to have it for yourself. But it's in a marriage, it's super powerful. Well, I would mm-hmm. say too that also goes for forgiveness in a relationship. You know, sometimes you need to forgive a parent that's already passed or a, a friendship. Right, that maybe that friend is not there anymore. But you can also still validate yourself in those situations. And like Jeremy's saying, you can picture. You know, whether it's a parent, you know, in certain conversations or situations, you know, picture yourself in that time and what you were feeling and what you were going through and have compassion for yourself and encourage yourself and Mm -hmm. tell yourself you did the best you could with what you knew in that moment. Mm, Um, And that situation doesn't define who you are. Um, And also have grace for the other person, too, whether it's a parent, a friend, Mm -hmm. ex-wife, ex-husband. Whatever the circumstance may be is like having that compassion for yourself and also for the other person. Like, you know what? 17 years ago, they were probably doing the best they knew how to do right. too. Right. And that really unlocks bitterness and hatred for them. And and again, with a parent that's passed or an ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. girlfriend, mm-hmm. husband, wife sure. that you feel sad about, shame about, bitterness towards, like it's it's a really beautiful healing exercise to yeah. use for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful that we were able to do this together, but yeah, it, it can be done yeah. on your own. And the more you learn to go on that journey with yourself, the more you can do that with others. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got to see firsthand because mm-hmm. when you guys moved here, we were not in the good patch that we're and now, mm-hmm. and I think it was obvious when we'd walk in a room, you can tell, right? When mm-hmm. married oh, yeah. couples are not, like, I think we, we could probably spend hours hanging out with you guys and not even look at each other. <laughs> and we were both fine with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, well, and it gets to a point where that feels normal. Like maybe that's yeah, just how it is. You don't even recognize yeah. it. But now we yeah, do. Now we know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now I think, I mean, it's obvious, like. I can't believe we have the marriage that we have, despite what we've been through. Yeah. Well, and and to piggyback off of that, and and this this drives me nuts because I, I think from the outside, and and like you said, I've I've had the opportunity and the privilege to live this part of your journey with you guys alongside of you. But from the outside perspective, it's like, oh yeah, like look at them; they have this great marriage. Like they're so fortunate, right? Like everything just falls into place for them, and it's like you guys have gone after it, right? Like this has been a lot of work and I don't want to put words in your mouth. So just kind of take that and run with it. But you've put in the time and the effort and been willing to go after these things. Yeah. I, I, and I think I would say before we t- talk about this, as we wind this up, 
or down. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want anyone to feel any shame that didn't make it. But for those of you who are wondering if it's worth it, there is hope. Keep going yeah. because it's it's not been easy. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life is this marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's at stake? I don't know. My grandkids, mm-hmm. our sons, Gabby, like to model to our children. What does it look like to fight for a marriage? What if what if we can get whole and healthy enough from our mm-hmm. our childhood stuff and just life of getting our asses kicked? Like, what does it look like to fight through that and to fight for marriage? Um, I think it's how we change the planet. I don't think it's voting. I don't think it's mm-hmm. all these other things. I think it looks like two Great. people. Yeah. yeah who say yes to each other, no matter the cost. I know without a doubt, no matter how messy this gets, and it still goes up and down, that we're in a covenant marriage. We're not leaving. Mm-hmm. We're not We're not bouncing. There's no plan B. Mm-hmm. And it's hard work, and it's scary, and it's vulnerable, and it's messy. and and But the fruit in it... Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my best friend on the planet. Mm -hmm. We dream together. Right. We love going on vacation alone together and being in the car together is our favorite thing. We go on lots of date nights. Mm -hmm. Um, We love spending time together. She has her stuff that she goes and does, Mm -hmm. and I have my stuff. Which is important. That I go Mm -hmm. and do. And she can be gone for a week. I can be gone. Well, I travel more than she does, but like... There's never any worry. There's never any wonder. There's we care about each other and support each other in our dreams. And just like with this wild courage stuff, like she's the biggest supporter of wild mm-hmm. courage on the planet. Like she is so supportive of this vision and dream that that we have. And well, you, my you got her to do this. You know? Jump on this podcast for goodness' sake! I mean, right? That's huge. That <laughs> is huge. huge. <laughs> I I would say too, just um, also in winding this down, but um, when, you know, if there are couples out there or, you know, anyone that's thinking they want to go on this journey, um, especially for couples, I think it can seem really scary if you feel like you're in a place where where our marriage is, you know, 60, 70%, but what are we missing out on? It can seem scary to think that the person that you've been with for so long might change. Um, and, and they will change through that process. Um, but it's, it's for the better. Like I know. We've said that to each other. You're not the person I've married. Right. And it's for better now, the better, but Mm -hmm. I know it can seem scary, especially I think, and maybe you could speak to this more from a husband who's maybe looking at their wife who might be changing and becoming more vocal about things having more opinions about things, speaking up more about things, it can kind of seem like, well, who, who are you? What, <laughs> what is going on? But I think you can probably speak to now that I am doing that more and being more comfortable in my own skin, I am more of who I'm created to be, which just completes that full picture of what we're supposed to look like together. Well, what, what, what would, what does it look like when, two halves are put together versus what two whole people are put Mm, together. Like this healthy version of Mary 
was scary. And she talked about like the pendulum swung over here and it yeah. was like, Oh crap. Yeah. She, she found her voice and it means a lot of no. And it means a lot of, I don't care what you think or say, this is the way it is. And that pendulum didn't stay there very long and it swung back. And so to her point, like the healthy version of my wife and yeah. who she's created to be is my favorite version of her I've ever seen mm-hmm. to see her go for things, to become a teacher, this introverted, scared person to say anything, to be a teacher, to go say, yeah, I think I'm going to go show my horse that I made. And I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if I don't win. I don't, I'm doing it because I love it. And for her to really do well in that, but also like the intimacy that's been restored of her being the the full healthy mm-hmm. version of herself and the healthy version of me when we get to, when we come together in our marriage as parents, like we're on the same page and the things that we're not about, it's okay. Cause mm-hmm. they're not high stake things, right? but the compassion that we have for one another mm-hmm. and the space that we give each other and the grace we have for one another, when we see the other person's trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. And we don't attack and jump on and pile on mm-hmm. and be like, ah, you can't. Fa-. Like, it's so encouraging. And we're going places in our marriage and that I never thought possible. I've never seen it before. Yeah. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it from a grateful standpoint of like, this this woman sitting across from me is the most incredible woman I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just grateful <laughs> for her. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I'm grateful mm. that you went on this journey first. You led the way. You didn't give up. You kept pushing through every hard conversation, through every moment, looking back on all those painful experiences. You forged ahead. You pushed through. And look at where you're at today, you know, and look at where we're at today. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, and That's our kids it. won't know what we've been through as kids. Right. Like our grandkids, mm-hmm. like the legacy and what we're fighting for is bigger than just our fulfillment personally. Mm-hmm. Like to look at this generationally um, and the mark that we get to leave on this world is, man, my parents, my grandparents, they fought for marriage. They fought when it wasn't easy and... If that's all we get right, right. in this world, yep. that's good enough for good us. Good enough, yep. And in the meantime, we get to do, I get to do life with my best friend. Yeah. And it's fun and beautiful. Yeah, and it's special. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's so good, you guys. I mean, I'm just thinking back to, you know, your story of when you met and those days and living it up and <laughs> obviously the, the down times, you know, and, and then come, like being on the brink of divorce, right? And then coming back together, tiptoeing into it. Sundays and Wednesdays being special, special time, <laughs> you know, they're working on it, diving into stuff and then where you are today and where you're going. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, guys, it's such a good story. And yeah, don't I, give I, up. I love it. Yeah. Don't yeah. give up. Give up. It's worth it. Yeah. It's good. Well, thanks for sitting down with us, Josh. Yeah, we thanks, love Josh. you and appreciate you. And, I love you guys. Um, yeah. Thanks to anybody who listens to this, just for listening to us go into these used to be painful places and <laughs> yeah i love you mary love you too thanks guys <laughs>